Hello and welcome to the Glen Mary Ecumenical Commission podcast. The GEC exists to enhance understanding, reduce alienation, and foster reconciliation between Catholics and evangelical groups. My name is Nathan Smith. I'm the Director of Catholic Evangelical Relations with Glen Mary Home Missioners, and I have today joined with me Lorraine Van Camp. Lorraine is the Director of Parish Services with Glen Mary, and so Lorraine, thank you so much for jumping on the call with me today. Thank you. I appreciate the invitation. Well, it's great to have you here. Uh, I have just a number of questions. This will just kind of get the ball rolling with with our conversation today. But with your uh, history of understanding Glenn Mary's charism, what this, organiza- what this organization cares about, and uh, seeing Glenn Mary as a, as a Catholic society, could you just describe a little bit from, from your own experience there are unique uh, outreach to evangelicals and uh, their own desire for deepening unity between Catholics and evangelicals. What's the impetus of that? What's some of the history behind that? Well, I would say probably the root of it is the context in which um, Glen Mary works. Um, when you visit the counties Glen Mary works in, um, become aware very quickly that the Catholics are a very minor, very much a minority. Um, so I think that probably was the root of it. Um, and as you know, mm-hmm. down in the southeastern, in the sex. southeastern, down in the southeastern yeah, section, right, mm-hmm. right. So, um, you know, I I think in terms of. Cr- of establishing the presence of the Catholic Church in a county, which would be the charism of Glen Mary, and developing it. There's a push to work with other ministers. Um, The parishioners, uh, very often in their families or their neighbors, um, will will go to other churches for services when they're invited, um, yard sales, that kind of thing. So it's very much a part of the life of people who live in the rural counties, whether they've moved from New York or Chicago or California, you, you pretty well get the sense very quickly that, um, that you need to to be in relationship with a lot of different people. And for some Catholics who move into the counties, it's the first time. And so that is part of the the education and the adjustment. For those who grow up in those counties who are Catholic, come from Catholic families, um, very often, you know, they're the only Catholic, and it becomes pretty apparent in their public school. So it's it's kind of a given, and I think that that's it wasn't it was part of uh, Father Bishop's vision. If you the founder of Glen Mary, if you kind of dig, but I don't think that was um, that 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 was a real um, push for him. I think that grew out of the experience of that second generation of Glen Marians in these rural counties. Mm. So that's that's kind of where I, and of course it then was 
solidified when Glenn Mary looked at how do you establish um, a, a church, how do you uh, grow it, and then when do you leave because your missionary work is at a place that um, other priests and ministers can come in. And um, that was the what we call the five categories of ministry. And ecumenism was a, very much a part of that. And I would say it really became solidified in the 1960s. Um, mm. and, and it wasn't because Glenn Mary has incorporated that. It's not something, in my experience, um, that I've had to push Glen Marians to do or to plan for. Um, it's more like saying, okay, what's going on here with the other churches? And then that just opens up the door mm. to, um, to the experiences mm. and to listening. And very often when I'm in conversation with parishioners or members of the church, they might not term whatever they're doing ecumenical but they are creating the relationships that are ecumenical, that are working towards unity mm -hmm. um, by just mm -hmm. being available to their neighbors, um, to people in their families sometimes, mm -hmm. young people they're teaching in school. Mm -hmm. But very often, members of the parish would not say it's ecumenical. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And so speaking of that, just really on the ground, and as you work with different ministers within parish settings, whether that's priests or, or lay commissioners in different ways, uh, how are you incorporating this kind of lived ecumenism into your training? Or how, how are you encouraging people just to you know, take up the mantle for this uh, living and, and deeper Christian unity together? <sighs> Well, I, I would say that's a lot of different levels. You know, with the Glen Marians, it's it's um, being interested in what's going on in terms of their ecumenical work. Um, Brother Jason in uh, Georgia, I happened to be there during um, a vacation Bible school. So I was able to meet members of the church of, I think it's Brother Daryl is his name, of, of who, who works with Brother Jason to, to put on that vacation Bible school. And in that way, I can kind of serve as the inviter for other members of the church to be a part of, of that effort. You know, it's one thing to hear it from the priest, but it's another thing to kind of support that. Yeah, and just to clarify, that, that brother Dale you're talking about, is he a, is he a Catholic brother or is he a part of a evangelical I, I would think he's I would think he's a part of an evangelical church. Mm -hmm. So that is an ecumenical effort. In terms of our coworkers, mm -hmm. it depends on their background. For some co-workers, they have um, come from other churches and become Catholic over a long period of time, and then they come to work for Glen Mary. With those particular co-workers, it's not as necessary to, to explain or talk about ecumenism. 
for a number of years, Glenmary had um, co-workers who came from Latin American and Central American and from Mexico. Um, and with those particular co-workers, probably over three to five years, we did a lot of group meetings um, concerning ecumenism, what it is, why, you know, um, because of their background, they were coming from cultures that did not, um, that saw other denominations as a threat to Catholics, hmm. to their Catholicity. And so um, that was, we did a number of those, uh, actually several days in Mississippi when Father Bob Dalton, a Glen Marion, was there and he introduced them and myself to pastors that he knew. We would invite a pastor in who would talk about their belief, their practice, their songs, um, their prayers, and several times we were actually able to go to a church, which for people who come from very Catholic countries, that's a whole different experience of going and then being able to reflect on it. And I have to say, for Catholics in our country, very often who move into the rural counties, that's a very different experience. And one that is, for many, not comfortable. So it takes mm -hmm. leadership from the co-worker, the pastoral worker, or the, the Glen Marion to, to help members um, take advantage of the opportunities that come along. Yeah, and this real interest for ecumenism within Glen Mary itself, uh, as you've been describing it, it seems to come naturally out of who we are as a religious society, as a missionary society. Um, but I do understand that um, Father mm -hmm. Frank Ruff played an important role yeah. in connecting that, especially with the Southern Baptist Convention. Could you uh, just describe some of the history behind that connection with the SBC and other evangelical right. denominations? Well, Father uh, Frank Ruff, in I think about 1967, so that would be very close after the Second Vatican Council, who, which brought to the fore the necessary work that needed to be done to to achieve the unity that that the Lord desires among Christians. Um, Part-time he began working with students at a seminary in northern Georgia, a Baptist seminary, and that eventually evolved into his taking on the role of the ecumenical worker. Many years he was able to attend the Southern Baptist Convention um, meeting, big meeting here in Nashville, uh, as a member of the press. And eventually he was able to create the, re it's all about relationships, create the relationships where they began to invite him as a delegate.
share some stories from your experience? You mentioned a few, like the VBS yeah. with uh, uh, with Daryl and with uh, Brother Jason. But can you share a few more stories of of ecumenism on the ground in parishes? And it sounds like it just comes naturally out of people living the Christian life in a lot of ways. Right. Um, back in 2000, another group in Glen Mary on evangelization put together a website. And at that time, as we were discussing the five categories and how, um, how we would design this particular website. Now, I have to tell you, not many of us knew anything about designing websites whatsoever. Um, but out of that conversation came the insight that ecumenism is in terms of parish life for the members very often is um, hand in hand with social justice. So that when you are handing out food at the food bank or you are driving 60 miles to go pick up the food with somebody from a different church, you get to know each other quite well. And you establish mm -hmm. a relationship. And they are more comfortable inviting you and you are more comfortable sharing with them. Um, and so I would say that many of the things that actually happen in the churches center around meeting the the needs within the local county um, be that housing like habitat for humanity is another big one where people get to know each other and you you develop those relationships and um, i've been to many of our small towns where McDonald's will have a, a fundraiser for Habitat for Humanity. And it will be ministers from all these different churches, elders, uh, people who are members, and, and Catholics will be sitting together and talking because they know each other from the builds. So I think there's that kind of, they, they would probably not um, really term that ecumenism. But that's where it, it, the rubber hits the road, in my estimation. Um, mm. Another one is there was a, a couple in uh, Lafayette, Tennessee, which we still are there in, in Lafayette. And they became interested, and I'm not sure how, in shape note singing and gospel sings, which are very common. And they began traveling, because they were retired, to these different gospel sings um, in different counties. They would not have called that ecumenism, but they were probably some of the first Catholics that many of those people ever met. And they developed hmm. friendships through that group, through those groups, because they would meet with different people. What's fascinating to me about this is just the idea that what I'm hearing you say is, um, I believe uh, Pope John Paul II uh, refers to and also in the Vatican II, this idea of spiritual ecumenism, the idea that we're sharing prayer together, that we're seeking Christ within the other person. And through those experiences, our own hearts are converted or changed right. in some ways through that experience. Right. That's what I hear you saying is like just this normal ecumenism on the ground. You it maybe is. don't even have the term for it. it. It is. And I think 
I think what Glenmary brings and diocesan pastors, the first pastor I worked with who was, who was of that diocese was very ecumenical. In a time you wouldn't call it ecumenical. Um, is that um, the, the pastor or the lay co-worker can bring the organization to it. It's a two-way street. The members of the church can open doors because they have the relationships. And the person who is ministering can open doors because they see what opportunities the parish can fulfill in that local county. And, mm. and as you know, Nathan, the biggest thing about starting a church, developing a church, is you use the opportunities that come your way. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one that that really was um, was really uh, uh, really touched me a lot was um, a couple years ago, probably three or four now. There was a, a um, ice raid, uh, immigration raid, on a factory it, um, where Latinos worked in Bean Station, Tennessee, and many people were held for deportation. I happened to be there. That happened maybe a Friday, Thursday, Friday. I happened to be there on that following Sunday for other reasons. But at the Spanish Mass, the Mass, that it, the worship that's in Spanish, there were people there from other churches in that community and a pastor, none of whom spoke Spanish, but they were there because of the relationships that they had built up, not only with the pastor, but with the members of that church um, to support them, to say they were not alone and to find out what they needed. That community also, um, the pastor had, joined with other pastors in the county um, for revivals. And um, he would make sure that the English choir was on the, the English speaking choir was singing as part of the program and the Spanish speaking choir was singing as part of the program. You know, and they were multi, multi-evening kinds of revivals. Um, and, and, you know, sometimes those kinds of opportunities open up because other ministers in the county uh, put together things and then you join as the Catholic pastor or the Catholic members. And other times it's working to invite people to something that they will come that may be at a park or maybe on your property, maybe not inside the church. Um, but you know, it, it kind of it, it's it's multifaceted, but it has to. I think it does have mm. to be intentional. That's what Glen Mary I think brings is the organization to it, and the opening of doors. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And what I find that's so helpful from the way you're just describing this is it just seems. 
especially when you're serving within a, a missionary context, just so natural Yeah. to come into an area, whether that's a new mission or just in your own neighborhood and say, all right, Christ is at work here in the lives of these other people. How do we partner in that? Ecumenism doesn't require a specialized field of knowledge in order just to get started and get going. It's the expectation that Christ is with us and in the lives of those who are near us. And so that's what I'm hearing you say continually within these stories, and it's very beautiful. And I think it's it's the ability to listen without judging. Mm. Mm. You know, it's, I may not believe that way. I may not pray that way. But we both belong to that family of Christ. Yeah, that's wonderful. It just reminds me, there's, as Paul said, there's one Lord, one, one, one faith, baptism. one baptism. And there are many ways in which this is expressed, mm-hmm. This uh, ways people express their faith, and largely based in their experience of history and what communities they're coming out of. And yet we have this unity set in the person of Christ, and we're looking for him within the other. And so, Lorraine, thank you so much for sharing these stories with us, giving us a glimpse uh, of what Glenn Mary's charism as it expresses itself in ecumenism, how, it, how it's expressed in that way, and how we continually search for uh, Christ amidst the others. And thank you all for joining us on the Glenn Mary Ecumenical Commission podcast. <laughs>